Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Breakup Songs, where Alan and I will be curating side B of a mixtape featuring sad songs for severed relationships. How are you doing, Alan? Oh, doing much better now that I've had a week to recover from our our heartbreak. Um, I hope we didn't lose any listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> so, it's... Uh, I don't know. It, it's just, I, I'm. I love this collection of music. It's I, I, to me, it's one of the best collections I've. You know, one of the best lists that I put together in the time that we've been doing our podcast. But yeah, some dark material here. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, not what you want on a beautiful uh, Sunday afternoon when it's sunny outside, and you know. <laughs> but it, it's just oh, some great music, nonetheless just really sad well let's let's uh let's finish the, the last nails of the coffin as it were all right sounds good um this one going back to 1990 this is one i thought you might have so we'll see if we match well, um i'm looking at my next song which is from 1990 so we'll see um yeah would it be from a, a, an irish performer we have another match <laughs> wow it was the first song i was going to name <laughs> nothing compares to you uh, which was uh, yeah. way before texting language uh, was actually written as the number two and the letter U. Well, so that goes back because it's a Prince composition. Yes, right. Oh, but I, Pr- Prince, that was Prince's. He was ahead of his time. Stick, yeah. By Sinead O'Connor from the album "I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got," uh, which we established was was 1990. And to tell you the truth, the song itself, which is we talked about, really a sparse production. Right here's a perfect example. The, right. the song, you know, it has, I believe, some some, some keyboard and, and percussion, maybe some guitar mixed in there, but it's really in the background and it's her vocal performance of the song. It's so stark. And the video itself, which didn't hurt its, its success, is also very stark because she's just... She's just that close-up of her face. Just walking around the, the, the city with a lot of facial close-up um, and to the point where she actually um, cries at the end of the song, um, which was, was real. I mean, it was just genuine emotion. The director didn't expect her to display that type of emotion. And uh, yeah, she just put it all out there for this song. Um, the song was was originally, like you say, written and recorded by Prince in 1984, although it was never released. Right. He gave it to a side project that he had called The Family, which I don't think anyone's ever heard of. They had an album with this song on it, which I think this song was a little more of a soulful type, funky version of it. It was. And they still hadn't released it, though. The only single... Uh, that was ever released was Shanae's, I, be- I believe. I don't think the family... Uh, well, it wasn't successful if it was a single. Yeah. It came out, but it wasn't successful. Right. Um, and then Prince's version didn't come out until recently, yeah. until after his death. After his death. Um, but this... Okay, so Sinead had an album before this, and it was popular in, in the college rock scene, uh, the alternative music scene in the late 80s. But um, she did not prepare for this type of success. And, you know, Sinead has had... Uh, a difficult time, we'll say, in the last, you know, forty years since the song came out. Has it been forty years? Is that right? Thirty-five? Uh, no, thirty, thirty-some. Anyway, yeah, 
It's been a long time, <laughs> and she's had a rough go. That's um, been 31. And, so. and, and, yeah, 31. 31. And she's had a lot of uh, controversy. Of course, there was the famous incident on Siren Live when she tore up a picture oh, of the Pope, yes. and then Madonna refused to host, and all this other stuff. But oh, no, that's right. Madonna didn't want to host with her the second time around when they were paired up. Yeah. Um, anyway, at, the, at this moment in time, though, uh, it was huge. And, of course, it was very unconventional because of her look. Um, she, you know, she had a shaved head. Mm-hmm. And today, I don't think we would look at that as being as radical, uh, but it was pretty radical at the time well yeah and you know nobody knew what she looked like until the video the video is what revealed her shaved head i mean she and she's such an she's very strong in her beliefs i'll say it like that i mean she's a very odd individual and she she breaks the the norms yeah i guess and she she shaved her head she said because she wanted to make a statement and not be known for her beauty which I respect, but you know, it. No one was ready for that look. I mean, we're we're still several years removed at this point from V for Vendetta. <laughs> so no, it's no. you know, the shaved head on a female was totally. Unexpected. Other than I think Star Trek was famous for one of its uh, characters, right? Yeah, having a shaved head. But um, yeah, no, she. Uh, well, for starters, you know, I, Prince's song it didn't didn't reach that iconic heart decimating status until, you know, Shanae's very sad, sad eyes covered it in that video. The video, I think, did much more um, in, in, you know, promoting the song yes, yes. Than, than, than radio play. We were at the height of MTV at this point. It's been seven hours and fifteen days Since you took your love away I go out every night and sleep all day Since you took your love Since you've been gone I can do whatever I want I can see whomever I choose She announced in March of 2015 that she just flat out will not perform this song anymore. Um, she said, quote, uh, The first principle of the manner in which I'm trained as a singer, which is bel canto, is that we never sing a song we don't emotionally identify with. After 25 years of singing it, nine months or so ago, I finally ran out of anything I could use in order to bring some emotion to it. I don't want audiences to be disappointed coming along to a show and then not hearing it, so I'm letting you know here that you won't. If I were to sing it just to please people, I wouldn't be doing my job right because my job is to be emotionally available. I'd be lying and you'd be getting a lie. Which, like I said, she's just, she's she's not your your usual, uh, you know, recording artist there. It, she, she approaches things in a totally unconventional way. 
but you know, despite her many eccentricities, she sang the hell out of this song. Yep, yep. I, and it, it's one of the most emotionally draining breakup songs I've ever heard. I mean, if you know the exact amount of time that's elapsed <laughs> since you got dumped, you're in a very bad place, right? And we meet her seven hours and 15 days after her love took a hike, and she's still reeling. She's even been to see the doctor. I love the doctor's advice. Have some fun, right? So I know it's a Prince Pen tune, but you know, the fact that she is an Irish singer, even in Ireland, apparently the healthcare system is problematic. And, you know, have some fun. <laughs> but Prince actually did not like O'Connor's cover. He, he was not a fan at all. Um, but then, you know, he didn't like anyone who recorded his songs unless he very specifically asked them to. Right, or produced it, man. But yeah, no, one of the saddest songs ever recorded. It was my very first, you, you Just Beat Me. So, yeah, and uh, it was it was Billboard's number one song of the world that year, yeah, um, chart wise. Yeah, stayed at number one in the U.S. for four weeks, yeah. not too shabby. And she also won a Grammy that she year did. for the song. Yes. So. and in '98, MTV actually named this number 34 on their list of the greatest videos ever made. Yep. So, um, all right, so I'm going to my alternates list twice now. This this episode, um, I wondered if that would be a match. I, I, looking at my songs, I thought if any of them were, that would be the the one. That's the second time that we've matched first song. Yeah. Um, well, no. I One episode we did it for both sides. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah, side A and side B. But um, but I matched your I Know It's Over, Oh, well, which yeah. was the number which, one. Which, yeah, that was technically my first song. Right. And then so I matched your first and second. My first, yeah. Yeah, you did. All right, which takes me then to my number three song, because I'm not going to hit my alternates list just yet. Um, first song this episode that has not been used. This one is... Uh, Oh, this one, this one's tough. Question for you. Is it a breakup song if the people in question are still sharing a bed? Are you doing sure? Are you sugar landing this one here? No. Because that's my next one and that kind of fits my song too. Does it? Um, it no. depends. It could be yes, yes. I'll say yes. Okay. Well, my next pick agrees with you. <laughs> okay. The song is I Can't Make You Love Me by oh, We have Rance. a match. Do we? Not, not my next song, but we have a match later on the list. Okay, so. well, there we go. Yeah, yeah, I Can't Make You Love Me. It's it's an all-time soul crusher where the intimacy is purely physical, and as unfulfilling as that is, Bonnie Raitt will take it. <laughs> so for a little bit longer. Uh, morning will come, and I'll do what's right. Just give me till then to give up this fight she sings, working up the strength to, to walk away. Um, this heartbreaker from 1991 is considered to be among the best songs ever written. Um, most music critics will, will, you know, place it in their top ten of, of greatest compositions of all time, which which speaks volumes, really. Um, Rayet though makes the lyrics kind of jump off the page. I mean, she turns the song into a tearjerker about accepting that you can't change the way another person feels inside. It, it's this is probably most tragic to me because it falls during the stage of acceptance. You know, and it, it's it's a lot like Roy Orbison's "Crying," which I thought about putting on my list but didn't. It is it it's really the the story of you know where one person is still, you know, very much in love, and the other person has long since moved on. You know, this isn't the moment of breakup. This is long after, and of course here she's yet spending the night again with with her ex. Um, I found this interesting. I don't know if you found this when you were doing your research. According to Mojo Magazine, the songwriting duo who wrote the song 
they got the idea for the song from a newspaper article. Mm, yeah, about right. a guy who got drunk and shut up his girlfriend's car. Did you find that? He says you can't. Sometimes you can't make someone love you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The judge sentenced him and asked him what he had learned. The guy said, "You can't make a woman love you if she doesn't." Actually, he said, "You can't make a woman love you if she don't." Right. <laughs> if I'm going to quote correctly, and according to the article, the judge was shocked because after the trial, the judge said publicly he was expecting something along the lines of, "I can't aim a gun when I'm angry," <laughs> given the man's and irreverent behavior in the courtroom. Um, well, and then later it became like a fast place, fast paced uh, bluegrass song. Yeah. Uh, but then they wisely eventually uh, it evolved into a, a ballad, power yeah, ballad. It did. Um, but yeah, receiving the news that someone doesn't love you anymore is devastating. But Ray, it, I guess, has said that she feels that delivering the news is worse, which I found interesting. Uh, the song is about being dumped, but but she said breaking up with someone she feels is far worse than being on the receiving end. I don't know if I agree with that. But nonetheless, her arresting performance here, I mean, it carries the weight of a lifetime in and out of love. And, you know, it's very uncharacteristic for her. She she sits down her guitar. I mean, she's not, not playing the slide. And instead, Bruce Hornsby is actually at the piano. I just mentioned him last week, how, right. you know, you don't have to know that it was Bruce Hornsby from the liner notes. All you had to do was listen to the piano. Exactly. He is, has maybe the, the most distinctive style in his playing it's strange how he's able to really distinguish himself like that. Yeah. I, and, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit. You don't even hear people talk about Bruce Hornsby. I mean, he's just not an artist when you talk 80s music that seems to come up I mean, anymore. But when you hear him on, like, uh, End of the Innocence from Don Henley, right. obviously at his own solo stuff, he's oh, just very distinctive. Yeah, very. Um, he's just an amazing pianist. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Ray, at, something else I found just incredible, she laid down the vocal here I mean the, the song comes from Luck of the Draw um, which was the album from 91 I think it was the third single from that yeah she had so. uh, a lot of good songs yeah. so. but she laid down the vocal in just one take this was her first and only take and I mean it's just so incredibly powerful so yeah she didn't feel like she could bring anything emotionally to it afterwards she kind of gave it all in the first shot yeah so I mean look you, you might be a girlfriend a husband a partner you know, even just a friend with benefits, but whatever role you play in the service of love, it comes with a label, you know, that sets expectations. There's there's a clarity and comfort in knowing where you stand with someone. But despite all of our semantics and promises, the terrifying reality of our love lives is that love itself can be a ruthlessly non-binding agreement. It's, it's that simple. Um, even more frightening is that it's often our hearts, not us, that's calling the shots. And, and I think that this song is a testament to, to that idea. Um, what sets it apart, though, you know, from most breakup songs is that it does take place, you know, at the most painful point of breakup, which is acceptance. And, you know, it's not a post-breakup anthem of empowerment. It's it's just this full force of, you know, the disorienting one-two punch of loss and loneliness. And it, it's just, uh, it's one for the ages. I... I this is another one that when we talked breakup, I knew right away I was going to include uh, Bonnie Ray in here. Turn down the lights, turn down the bed, turn down these voices inside my head. Lay down with me, tell me no. Just hold me close Don't patronize Don't patronize me 
The line that stuck out for me, not being a lyrics person, I really consciously listen to these songs, of course. Uh, morning will come and I'll do what's right. You talked about this. Just give me a little uh, time to give up this fight. And so that's really the crux of the song, like you said. It's that yeah. moment where she's made that decision, but she just wants a little more time yeah. uh, before it ends so she can um, soak it up. Do you know the other two performers that were in mind by the producers to perform the song? Well, I believe, I, I, I heard somewhere once that originally they wanted to give it to Linda Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt and Bette Midler were two I didn't know about Bette Midler. Yep. Ugh, yeah. I'm glad it didn't go to Bette Midler. You're not a Bette Midler fan? <laughs> I've, I've never been a Bette Midler fan. I've, yeah, The Rose, Wind Beneath My Wing, I just never, yeah, she's never done it for me. I wrote down in my notes, I said, I can only imagine how the song would sound to someone who finally comes to the realization that the relationship is doomed to fail. Yeah. Um, that, like you say, it's that moment of, rec- moment of reckoning. Yeah. Look, I, the songs that touch us most deeply, I think, are the ones that unite us through the most human and shared experiences. And eventually we all learn that you can't make someone's heart feel something that won't, you know. But folks, should you one day find yourself at rock bottom, suddenly alone in darkness, you can feel maybe a little bit less alone knowing that Bonnie Raitt has been there too. <laughs> so um, there's my now first pick of side B. So. Well, for someone that's not a country fan, I've surely dabbled in this episode. I suppose country music lends itself to breakup songs. Uh, I already talked about R.E.M.'s country feedback, right? Um, and I'm going to have a few old country, uh, one on, on my alternate list that's true country, or at least crossover country. But here's another one that is considered true country, although I, I think this band is much more of a crossover artist. And that's, I just mentioned them earlier. Sugarland. Sugarland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you didn't pick Stay? I thought that's another one we no, might match did on. Not include, I, I, it, it was on my long list, but it never never made it uh, to the abbreviated 12. So 2007 from Enjoy the Ride. Uh, I'm a huge Jennifer Nettles fan. I, I love their first uh, two or three albums. In fact, I after their fourth album, I kind of lost track. I know she went solo for a little bit. I think they were reuniting, or maybe currently, because uh, originally you had three members, and then um, I forget the, uh, the, the her name. Um, the second female vocalist uh, backed out after the second album and then Christian Bush continued uh, on and they continued to perform as a duo got to see him actually in, in Erie um, right. very intimate show but um, yeah you know you know far more about them than I do oh really I thought you, know. you I thought yeah I, I, yeah. I like their music yeah. um, and but I yeah I mean I couldn't have named well, and it's funny. I, I always wondered why when I started listening to them, and then I realized that all of Jennifer Nettles, inspir- every, everyone that's inspired her, it seems, or artists that I like that aren't country. Like she was a big U two fan, a big REM fan, and so hmm. um, kind of like in the, in the vein of Garth Brooks, right. where they were both country uh, fans, but allowed enough of their listening to um, more traditional rock artists that informed their music, and so that's probably why they have so much crossover appeal. Yeah. Right, like I said, I don't have any problem with the country music itself. It's just some of the lyrics get a bit stereotypical, right? Anyway, this is a more unconventional breakup song, maybe similar to the Bonnie Raitt one that you just talked about. Um, like many country story songs, this is what I do love about country. Okay, not being a lyrics guy, I do like country songs that tell stories. I love the Jimmy Buffett ones, and I love when they play with words, right? And they and they shift the meaning of a particular word 
in the song. And that's what we have going here, right? So the narrator in the song, if you haven't heard it, is having an affair with a married man and is lamenting the fact that he has yet to leave his wife uh, after their tryst. You know, it's one of those situations. And so the moment of the song, it it begins when I think they're they're probably laying in bed and uh, she just wants him to stay. She not only wants him to stay that night, she wants him to stay with her forever. And not only does he not leave his wife, but he inevitably gets a call, where are you? I, I'm on my way home, probably gives an excuse, hangs up, and then he goes back to his home. And so this is what she is lamenting. But by the end of the song, she kind of finally comes to that realization that he's never going to leave his wife. And now, instead of asking him to stay with her, she suggests that he just stay at home and not even bother coming over, thus finally standing up for herself and breaking off the relationship. Hmm. So she is kind of the one doing the dumping here, but it's not because she's not in love with him, but it's because she knows that she'll never receive the love that she deserves back from him. I've been sitting here staring at the clock on the wall Praying she won't call It's just another call from home You get it and be gone And I'll be crying And I'll be begging you, baby Beg you not to leave But I'll be left here waiting With my heart on time will be seems like a million years and I think I'm dying what do I have to do to make you see she can't love you like me why don't you stay I'm down I'm so tired of being lonely Don't I give you what you need When she calls you to go There is one thing you should know We don't have to live this way Baby, why don't you Very similar to Nothing Compares to You in the, the video. Jennifer Nettles decided to basically perform the song close up with a dark background. There's a little bit of Christian Bush intermingled with his acoustic guitar, but for the most part, it's just Jennifer um, close up and she shows off her acting chops. Because, like Sinead O'Connor, where we really can feel the emotion in the way that she performed the song, same happens here. It's one thing to hear the song, it gives you chills. But then to see the video, it, it just makes you ball. It's, just, it's one of those, I love the song so much, but it's really difficult for me to even listen to hmm. um, because it's just so, so raw. The first verse has this like desperate begging tone. It's almost, I hate to use the word, but it's almost pathetic where she's just begging him, please, you know, stay, don't go back to your wife. And then the second verse hints at a little bit of strength that she's beginning to find, a little bit of perspective that she begins to find. And then that bridge presents her decision to move forward. And the last line, 
that's where she has a completely different attitude. And so the lyrics and the video and the performance and everything just matches up nicely. Um, this song was actually the first Sugarland song to be written completely by Jennifer Nettles. Again, I, I know the country music seems a little different than, than a lot of rock. Uh, it's more like pop, where you have teams of songwriters, in this yeah. case from Nashville, and they shop the songs to write. And the same thing happens in pop music. I get that. Uh, I really, really like those country artists that write their own stuff. Right. And Jennifer Nettles, wrote, not even co-wrote. I know a lot of country artists, like, like Taylor Swift does a lot of co-writing, and that's yeah. fine. Um, but she wrote this one completely herself. And it was written as a response to Reba McIntyre's Whoever's in New England. That song is from the perspective of a wife whose husband is doing the cheating. And Jennifer wondered, what about the other woman who's doing the cheating with the husband? What's her perspective when he has to leave and come back home to his wife? And that's where she got the idea for the song. Interesting. Best line here, I can't waste another minute after all that I put in. I've given you my best. Why does she get the best of you? Yeah, I, I I love the song, and, and I, I do. I really enjoy Sugarland, but yeah, you just hearing you talk, you you know far more about them than I do. Well, and this, and, and I've talked about the production on some of that. This this is the perfect production for this song. It is so sparse, a little bit of guitar in there, and that is it. Her vocal takes the forefront. That's all you need. A lesser producer would have added a bunch of garbage to the song that it doesn't need. This it's almost acapella, almost acapella, hmm. and that's what a song like this needs. Very cool. Um, yeah, but you're, you're totally right about the, the teams of, of songwriting. My cousin is on, you know, um, and I'm not going to name drop, but yeah, my cousin has told me in, in Nashville that's what he does. He's a, a songwriter. And um, yeah, and th- there are large teams. I mean, we are talking five, six, sometimes seven writers right. that, that are working together. And it's just... There's something still so special about an artist who writes their own material, mm-hmm. you know. And and I just, um, yeah. Now my hat is off to any artist who can write and perform and you know play their their own music. There's there's just something undeniably special about that. Yeah. This is this may be what maybe the most gut. Well, I don't know. It's hard to say. different degrees of gut wrenching. There, there are. Uh, this one is hard to get through without shit material. I'll just say that. Yeah. I feel like we've, uh, we've said repeatedly, at least last, last episode that this is the most, uh, you know, heartbreaking. Yeah. When I said rock bottom, those were just really, really dark. This dark, song isn't yeah. a dark song. It's just, it's a tragic song, right. but there's hope at the end because the protagonist finally stands up for herself and she breaks it off for good reason. And so this song has a little bit of hope. Yep. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking at my alternates because now I need to go twice. Um, I want to use all five. I wanted all five to be in my 12, <laughs> so, uh, which is always the case. Um, but I feel like I need to address one of them now because I, I still want to kind of end with uh, the songs that I have here. Um, I think I am going to go ahead and use a song by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Wow. Uh, this one comes from the 1982 album Imperial Bedroom, and the song is titled Almost Blue. Nice. Okay. Um, the 15 songs on the 1982 album Imperial Bedroom, um, they paint a sometimes draw, oftentimes grim picture of love that's just eroded by the inevitable procession of time and temptation. Um 
even a marriage vow isn't sufficient glue to hold two people together. You know, that, that's the, the, the takeaway from the album. Um, this was Costello's seventh album. And by this time, Costello had become kind of an expert storyteller. Um, he, he had matured enough to learn that the accusing finger can often be pointed in both directions. And it, it kind of gave him a newfound generosity of viewpoint, really. Um, the album further achieved depth and resonance by presenting a, a stylistically varied collection of songs. And that they're all rich in clever arrangement uh, and strong melodies. Lyrically, um, you know, he, he, he's kind of all over the place. He turns at times passionate, then contrite. He, uh, you know, he pleads, he remands, um, he, he whispers a confidence, he, he rails at a betrayal, all of this over 15 tracks. Um, Imperial Bedroom is frequently found on lists of the best albums of the 80s. Rolling Stone is named it one of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Um, and I'm using it here, which kind of speaks volumes because as, you know, I... Kind of like Neil Young. We've, we've talked about Costello before. There are songs by Costello I like, but I am not a Costello fan. Not not outright. But this song. Uh, the song title is Almost Blue. Okay? And it is probably the biggest step Costello took on the album. Um, it, it has a haunting quality that, that really had never before been present in Costello's work. And it is a torch ballad, but it is also a jazz number. Okay, are you familiar with the song? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it was based on a jazz standard from 1931 that was called The Thrill Is Gone, um, which was about a love that, that goes cold. Um, that song has somewhat generic lyrics, uh, but Costello's song is achingly just poignant. I mean, he sings, there's a girl here and she's almost you. Almost. And that line just kills me. Uh, this isn't just a thrill that's gone, um, but his shot at a lasting love. It gets worse the longer it drags on, until by the end, Costello laments, Not all good things come to an end now. It is only a chosen few. I have seen such an unhappy couple. Almost blue Almost doing things we used to do there's a girl here and she's almost you almost all the things that your eyes once promised i see in us too now your eyes are Disaster became me. It named me as the fool who only aimed to be almost blue. It's almost touching, it will almost do. There is part of me that. Always true Always 
not all good things come to an end now it is. You know, he's explored many different styles of music throughout his career. So even not being a huge Costello fan, I have great respect. Have you heard the song I Want You? Yeah. That's another one that's yeah. just like, uh, yeah. it's more unrequited. but Right, yeah. No, it, it's it's fantastic as well. Um, when he wrote this song, he said he had been listening to a lot of Miles Davis and Billie Holiday at the time. A Stormy Weather, which is one of my favorite standards, uh, he, he, he references very specifically in interviews. Uh, he says he was, quote, besotted with that type of blue ballad, the minor key ballad. Now, I feel like at this point, um, if you've listened to our, our podcast regularly, it should come as no surprise that I, I would include this song, the jazz element, the blues element. Um, trumpet player Chet Baker, uh, whose rendition of The Throw Is Gone was a favorite of Costello's, he actually sometimes performs Almost Blue, Costello's song, in concert. And he has recorded a version that, that showed up on many compilations after his death in 88. Uh, other artists that have covered this song include Alison Moyet, uh, Gwen Stefani, and Costello's wife. Uh, jazz vocalist Diana Krall actually has a version of this. Um, interestingly, Costello's previous album, which was released a year earlier in 81, that album was called Almost Blue. <laughs> but while this song um, shares the same title, it is not on that album. Right. Um, so, you know, if you, if you like what you hear uh, when listening both on the today's episode and on the playlist, yeah, Almost Blue the song is on Imperial Bedroom. Um, so I don't want you to get confused if you think it's the title track of the album. That's like the song especially for you on the Smithereens is on Green exactly. Thoughts, their second album. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, don't look for it on Almost Blue, but do look for it. I mean, this song is just, it, it's beautiful, it's jazzy, it, it, but it's its also, it's just, it, it's another one that's just completely heartbreaking. Great choice. Who would have thought you were the one to pick an Elvis Costello? Right? Time? Yeah. It'd be like you picking a Neil Young song. Maybe right. someday. Yeah, someday. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Your turn. Oh, man. I mentioned David Foster. This is where he came in and almost ruined everything. Another great song from an extremely talented vocalist that just was too, I mean, not enough to ruin the song, but for my liking, who am I to say? This this is like one of the greatest selling songs of all time. Okay. Um, in fact, it, I want to think, uh, 10 million copies. 10 million copies worldwide. Wow, okay. Stayed at number one for 11 weeks. Okay, is this? 1996. Okay, Un- Unbreak My Unbreak Heart. Unbreak My Heart. It's, uh, yeah. I, it's a match. <laughs> you don't know? Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. So, from your from so, your regular list? Or yeah, from, no, wow. it's, it's in my Jeez, 12. Tony Tony Braxton. Yeah. Yes. No surprise, the song was written by veteran pop songwriter Jennifer Warren, produced by David Foster, and their collaboration with Braxton resulted in one of the greatest selling singles of all time. The uh, it's, it's clearly a breakup song, although the video took a little bit of a liberty and um, made it look as if um, she had lost her loved one in a car accident, I believe, right, yeah. and kind of reminisces about their time together. But really, there's nothing in the song that suggests it's a death. It, oh, no, it's, no, it's well, a breakup. She sings repeatedly, come, I mean, the yeah. song is a plea right. to return. Right, so, yeah, and I suppose a, somebody could do that in a symbolic way well, for a, yeah. a, a lost loved one as true, well. But true. yes, the song is, it, it just, Tony Braxton, of course, is one of the greatest. Um, this really, really shows um, all uh, the, the range that she has, especially the low 
oh, yeah. uh, range that she's her, able to. Her baritone to, is just incredible. Yes. yes. Now, she initially refused to, to sing the song because yep. she had recorded so many Heartbreak songs. Yep. Um, luckily, they, they convinced her. So, um, yeah, I'll let you talk about this a little bit, too, since it's one of your picks. Um, there's, a, there's a version by Weezer, which I really, really love. Really? Yes. That I didn't know. And that's the one I put on my list right away. And when I was going through my final list, I thought, you know what? I, I love the Weezer version. Um, it, it's great. Um, it's, it's an example where, and you see a lot of this now. At, at the time, it wasn't as common, where an alternative artist takes a song that's kind of a pop song that you would never expect an alternative uh, band to cover. Uh, and they did, and, they, and 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 at first I thought it was like an ironic cover, but it really isn't. I, I think uh, Rivers Cuomo just uh, just takes makes it a rock song, really does a nice job. So we'll put that on the alternate and mentioned song list. But then I got to thinking, you know what? I, I need to give Tony Braxton her due. This is her song. As much as I like the Weezer version, this is her song, and in it's a song that people have probably heard a lot more than I have because I wasn't in tune to the uh, pop charts in the late 90s. Of course, I knew the song and I was aware of it, but I never listened to it like I listened to it in preparation for this show. I always listened to the Weezer version, which came out a little bit later, and man, she is just spectacular. This song, I, I don't know really even what to say. I mean, it is just so... You, you kind of covered it. I mean, it details the emotions following a bitter breakup. It expresses the desire for the lover to return and undo the pain that was caused. Um, and I would argue, here's the thing, it is probably the quintessential breakup song of the 90s. Um, 11 weeks at number one. I mean, this this is that, that kind of song that you hear on the radio every day without, you know, just in passing. And yeah, it, it's, it's a good song. You sing along. But in the moment of heartbreak, this song, it just, it, 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 it takes on a life of its own. Sure. You know, um, not all songs have that that ability. I mean, it, it, it is so... I don't know, just listening to it, you know, in that moment of, of loss, you know, of love. I mean, it, to me, this is just, the song should come with, you know, 
the album should come with with a supply of of Kleenex, <laughs> you know, because it's just it, it's so poignant. It's it's so you know, it, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, and that's a term I've used repeatedly, you know, for a song about breaking. Well, of songs. course, we're going to use that a lot. That <laughs> gut wrenching. But I mean, it's like I I can't even put into words just how. Her, it's it's her voice. I mean, she brings the song to life, and yeah. it is just she's she's on par with Whitney Houston. I'll say she really that's is. That's my hot take. She's and, on par with Whitney Houston. Yeah, and I I don't know. I mean, she certainly is celebrated, but I don't know that she gets a lot of the credit she deserves because yeah. she is a powerhouse vocalist, and I think that a lot of um, you know a lot of Gen Xers may have forgotten just how in, incredible she she really was. Um, but yeah, no, I I really don't have much to add. So well, we, we we've had we've had artist uh, matches and we've had song matches. Um, we've never had version matches before. It would have been interesting had I chosen the Weezer version and you had chosen the Tony Braxton version. Yeah, that would have been that would have been our first version yeah. um, song match. Yeah, that would have been. Um, yeah, well, I didn't even know Weezer had a version of the song. It's really good. It's really good. Huh. Yeah, it's on their album uh, "Death of False Metal." It's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, I was, I'm surprised you had this one. This is not... I mean, if, you, if I thought... Well, because I came at it through Weezer, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. I didn't instantly think of this song. I thought of Weezer's version of the song, and then I thought it was just unfair to her not to include her version. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I just... I guess... Um, but that's good for you, because now you get, get to pick some of your alternates that you could choose. <laughs> true. But, um, yeah, and no, I just... For whatever reason, it's just not... Uh, not your typical. It's not pick. So I'm. It's not. You know, looking at. But the, either is Elvis Costello for you. So. Well, that's very true. Touche. Um, yeah, no, I, she really was. She was the queen of '90s R&B heartache. You know, like you said, she already had, you know, a number of breakup songs. This was just one more. Um, and what you know, I do want to give a shout out though because the Spanish guitars in this song. That part's fine. It's the rest of the stuff that well, Foster threw in. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, just the just the Spanish guitar by itself and yeah, her vo- that would have been the Spanish perfect. guitar and, and just her sultry contralto vocals. I mean, it's just the song just builds a quiet storm, you know, and and it ends with a dramatic crescendo as she pleads with her ex to to, to rewind, and it's it's yeah, it's a beautiful song. Um, so yeah, so I get to go to my alternates. Three times now. So wait a minute. We have matched. Well, we've matched the the first four songs on my side. Already. Correct. Correct. So um, what, I have two. I had to choose from okay. my alternates list. I think you have three. That's crazy. I'm because last you know looking at last week's episode, I really didn't know if we were gonna hmm. have really that that kind of alignment. That's huh. Um, okay. So. Well, then let me go back to my alternates. <laughs> um, all right. Well, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I had coming up next on its own. I'll hit the alternates here shortly. My my next song um, was actually written by Barry and Robin Gibb. Okay, this is a BG song, but I'm not going with the BGs. Um, despite the affected tale of heartache, Robin uh, Gibb claimed that. They wrote the song in about an hour without any struggle or hardship, and I, I think it shows. I mean, the Bee Gees recording climbed the charts and eventually hit number one uh, on the Hot 171, but I've, I've never cared for their performance. Uh, the instrumentation is kind of ineffectual, 
and and I've always felt their vocal delivery sounds as though they're singing in Irish drinking song in a, in a round. Uh, if Misery Loves Company, then their recording is best left unplayed. But Al Green has a soulful cover from one year later that takes the song to a completely different place. Okay. Um, you see, there's Heartbreak, and then there's Al Green Heartbreak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Green excels where the Bee Gees kind of crashed and burned, and that pains me to say because I love the Bee Gees music, but, but just not this particular track. But Reverend Al, he knows your pain, and he's consumed by it. So when I'm in the throes of despair, I want Al Green in my corner, not Barry Gibb. The song is How Can You Mend a Broken Heart. Okay, you familiar with Al Green's? Hmm? I'm not familiar with his version, no. Oh, it is just, it, it's killer. And his delivery, it's, it's full of pain and regret. He, he's a shell of a man now that his once brilliant romance has come to an end. Uh, he's exasperated from the beginning, wondering whether he'll ever recover from the loss of love. And his agony is enough to contemplate nature itself, which, you know, I will give credit to the Gibbs for the, for the songwriting. I mean, the, the song, you know, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart?, how can you stop the rain from falling down? How can you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go round? Um, you know, Al Green, though, in his performance, begging for answers, you know, for somebody, please, to come fix him. You know, he, he pleads, let me live again. And, whew, man, life as he knew it is over without this person for as long as the song goes on. And as you're listening, it feels over for you, too. You know, it, it's, it just kind of transcends. Um, it, it's incredible. He's, he's without question most famous for Let's Stay Together. Right, and this comes from the same album. Um, but Green also kind of slays it on songs about doing just the opposite, you know, not staying together. His voice just has that soft 70s vibe. And, you know, on the track, the violins, they whine and they, they whimper. There's no better song suited for a particularly steamy, sad night. So, I mean, there is something to say about, you know, Al Green. You know, even in the throes of, of you know, heartbreak, he, he doesn't lose his mojo, I guess. But I kind of imagine this is the song that you want playing as you're, you know, drinking from a bottle of whiskey and scrolling through your ex's engagement album on social media. And his cover is just the definitive version of the song, and it is also your late night breakup song. It's, it's just, oh, love Al Green. I can think of younger days. When living for my life Was everything a man could want to do I could never see Very good. So, 
That would have no, that that was not an alternate. That was just on my list. So let's get that one out of the way. All right. So how many? Let's see. Where are we here? Uh, I think I have two alternates, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've already used uh, one, two, three. So this is my number four. Yep. All right. Well, we've talked. We talked on the show um, about Phil Collins. Yeah. He, do, we have, do we have another match? Uh, well, no. I was okay. going to say, Against All Odds was on my list yes. until the movies. And we we used that, I believe, for the right, movies yeah, episode. So it was off limits. So a little background. Um, Phil Collins' wife left him in 1979. Yes. For a, a painter and a, a interior designer. And they she moved to Vancouver and took his son. Yeah. Um, was extremely traumatic for for Phil. In fact, he actually moved, he, I don't know if he moved, but he went over to Vancouver and tried to convince him to come home and was unsuccessful and he came back by himself and just completely devastated him. And he went through a period of time that he, where he wrote a plethora of, of just gut-wrenching breakup songs. If you listen to Duke by Genesis and Face Value, uh, that was Collins's first solo, solo album. You, you hear a lot of these songs. Oh yeah, well, in the air. Tonight, in the air tonight was, was a very angry response to, to the breakup. Was yeah. written during this time period, correct? And against all odds, was one that was written during this time period that didn't right. appear till till later. The 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 two, and I I went back and forth on these two. I didn't know, and technically, technically, one is on my alternates list, and one is on my actual list because one is Phil Collins and one is Genesis. Oh, okay. So if I really wanted to, I'm not, unless I have to. If I get to my fourth alternate, I'll, I'll throw it on. Because they're very similar songs, um, but they're both just, like I said, let's say it again, gut-wrenchingly painful to listen to. Hmm. Um, one of them, uh, is, it appears on the 1980 Duke album, which is a great Genesis release. Uh, there's a song called Please Don't Ask. Yeah, I figured that was it. And then off of face value, there is If Leaving Me Is Easy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I'll just start with Please Don't Ask. Is I, I didn't go with this one. Just because it's a little more direct to a specific situation. This is probably his most honest song to a situation. So are you, are you choosing for your alternate list right now? No, no, this is my main list. Okay, so, okay. Right. I'm just telling you why I picked this one and put the other one on my alternates list. Got, gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, please don't ask. He's specifically addressing his wife. He's talking about his son. He's talking about everything that directly happened to him. I mean, it's still soul crushing when you say when he he says the line. As any father, I think would feel the same way. Like I miss my boy. I miss my boy. Like you just, I just want to start sobbing right there, because it's one thing to have somebody dump you. It's another thing to have it be your wife, whom you're very much in love with. And then when you lose your kid, not lose your kid, but uh, are distant a completely different continent than your child, I just can't even imagine. I mean, this is a really, really dark period for, for Phil. So this, uh, this song, Please Don't Ask, ends up on, on Duke. Um, if Leaving Me Is Easy... And this is one of, Phil says, even to this day, is one of his favorite songs that he's written, even though it's really, really dark. Um, it, it's no less gut-wrenching, but it's more universal. You can apply it to, to, to I think, other people's situations. So I went with it because it's less autobiographical, right? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it, it fits that tone of face value, which you already mentioned includes the iconic in the air tonight. 
Um, if Leaving Me Is Easy was released as a single, it was the third single off face value in the UK. It was not released in America, but it was released as a single in, in the UK and was successful. Uh, what I love, oh man, this is... So he performs this song on Top of the Pops, which is Britain's version of like a Total Request Live or American Bandstand, right? Yeah. And so when he performs this, he puts a paint can and a paintbrush on the piano because she left him for a painter. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, wow. Right? He never mentioned her. He never said a word about it. He just, he quietly places the paint bucket and paintbrush on the, on the piano when he performs this. I read all the letters. I read each word that you've sent to me. And though it's past now, and your words start to This is the first song and one of two that Eric Clapton is featured. Eric Clapton also plays um, guitar on I Wish It Would Rain Down, which will come later in his career. And this song is later covered in 1985 by the Isley Brothers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I... That I did. Did you know the Isley Brothers had an album in 1985? No. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's why I was about to say I I didn't know they were still recording. Yes. I mean, they, they... 
they teamed with Rod Stewart for the, um, what was it? Was it the Motown song? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, wow. Or no, it was this old heart of mine, I think, that yeah, paired yeah, up yeah, with yeah. Rod Stewart. But I, yeah, I have no idea they actually went out an album that late. This, um, this song is, it, like I said, it fits on face value. So it's very dark. It's very airy. It's very, there's a, there's saxophone um, at the beginning of the track, which I don't want to say dates it. It does a little bit. Um, in the way that it's performed, but it is just, in fact, he, he, he likes the song to this day, but he refuses to play it huh. because it's not like a Billy Joel situation with just the way you are. It's not too painful. He's, you know, he's made terms with it, obviously, by now. Right. Uh, but he just likes the song itself. But the audience refuses to be quiet. You've heard Springsteen sometimes when he gets oh, yeah. to, I remember he did 41 Shots. Uh, it was released on the, on the New York uh, Live album from 2000. Was it 2000? Maybe it was 99. Where he's singing about the um, the black man that was shot 41 times from the cops. And he starts to sing and he stops and he basically asks everybody to be quiet because it's a very powerful song and he wants the right. respect. Phil Collins would play this song and, and people would still scream and shout and cheer. And he's just like, it's, it's too hard not to have... And he's like, I know it's selfish, but when I play this song, it needs to be silent because this song is so meaningful for me. So he just doesn't play it anymore. No, I get it. I, there are a lot of artists who do that. The worst, now I've, I've never seen her live, and I don't like her enough. I, I like her, but I, not enough that I to pay concert uh, you know, ticket price. Tori Amos. Mm, yeah. I've heard that she, she will stop mid-song and just stare at, at anybody anyone in the front row that was talking during her performance she she i guess she like flips out when when people talk during her performance so i would i would i would fit well at a show like that because i am not very demonstrative yeah no i'm not either uh, i like to sit there and quietly enjoy yeah. the show i was gonna say I'm, I'm definitely an old man i don't even like to stand up at concerts right. i want to sit comfortably and just and i hate when people are just, like you're not a real fan get on your feet and cheer no Shut up. Yeah. Do, you, do you sit at home when you listen to the record and stand up and cheer? No. You just listen to the music <laughs> right. and you enjoy it. Yeah, I just want to absorb it. I want the music to just kind of envelop me. Yes. You know, I, I don't want to. Now I'll stand up on a great, you know, rousing encore or something, oh, or if right. I have to because everyone in front of me is standing up. But yeah. yeah, I just want to enjoy the show. Exactly. No, I'm right there with you. I, um, no, I, I was going to use Against All Odds until it was taken off. And then I did think it was going to come later from his career. I thought about, um, I wish it would rain down. Um, didn't use it. I love Do You Remember, but he kind of is the one, and, and Separate Lives even, but, right. but in both, he's the one that kind of, you know, uh, let the other person go, and I was looking strictly for being on the receiving end. Um, I didn't even think about... Yeah, and, and I, some of those you mentioned are getting into is more adult contemporary yeah, phase. It, it, yeah, I, I, I like these because it's, so, it's still so raw. Yeah, there, there's a lot of... He literally is recording this when he's still uh, heartbroken for his right. life. Yeah, which is... Which adds a, you know, an element to it that is certainly. And he sings the chorus with this falsetto. It just, yeah, it's so yeah. good. No, very cool. All right. Well, my next song. Um, last week I, I had a fine frenzy, which some of our listeners may not have known. Uh, this week um, I'm going to give you a song by the Mountain Goats, which is another uh, artist that our. Uh, listeners may not know. The Mountain Goats is the stage name for John Darnielle. So just like uh, Alison Sudol used a fine frenzy for essentially a solo act, John Darnielle uses the name The Mountain Goats, plural, for essentially a solo act, um, which is, is kind of uh, funny to me. But he is one of the great modern poets of misery. 
really. And his 10th studio release uh, was the 2006 album Get Lonely. And it contains, Dave, some of the most excruciatingly sad music of his career. There's nothing inspirational about Get Lonely. Rather, the album is hauntingly familiar to anyone who's experienced loss. Um, every, every song is about a particular feeling that results from the painful dissolution of a relationship. And he perfectly captures the endless void that follows a painful breakup. It's the sort of existential dread, the, the loss of all hope and meaning that happens when the most important person in your life walks out. Um, you know, it, that just pervades the 12 tracks in the album. And the results are dark. I mean, they're brutal. So here I'm going with the title track, okay, uh, which is Get Lonely. Um, and uh, it just powerfully portrays loss in the kind of post-relationship malaise that can nullify weeks and months, leaving that blank, formless period of numb melancholy. Um, the song describes a morning spent walking without direction. That's all it is. He sings, And I will find a crowd and blend in for a minute, and I will try to find a little comfort in it, and I will get lonely and gasp for air and send your name up from my lips like a signal flare. Which, that that line alone, just, I mean, it's, his entire album is like this. I mean, he really is a poet, and it is, he sings, he performs stripped down tracks. I mean, it's, it's he and his acoustic guitar. I think you'll really dig him if you're not familiar with him. I will rise up early And dress myself up nice And I will leave the house And check the deadlock twice I will find a crowd And blend in for a minute And I will try to find A little comfort in it And I will get lonely And gasp for air And send your name up from my lips Like a signal flare His shattered delivery just matches the lyric content expertly. I mean, it's there's this narrator grappling with the psychic effects of loss. I mean, extreme listlessness, emotional paralysis, um, even intermittent attempts at deterministic redirection. It's really just nightmarish. And his his anguish, his paranoia, and of course his loneliness are they're hard to di- to digest. But I I think they're portrayed in such an unselfish, poised way that the sympathy you feel for him goes far beyond basic pity. I mean, you actually feel his pain. Um, I'd be hard pressed to find any song um, that I that I brought for last week or this week that so definitely creates a more complete empathy in the listener. And the album in in its entirety, it's nothing short of devastating. But the track that I've included, the title track, I mean, it presents just that aching gulf of despair more believably than you want to experience it. So, yeah, get lonely. It's it's a simple song, 
but I mean, it just it it just really captures that that void, you know, that that sense of of being lost uh, it, in ways that I can't even begin to describe. So there's my next. All number. right, very good. I have two left, I think. I'm going to pull one from my alternates list now. Okay. I don't think we're going to match in the last one, so I'm just going to go through. Um, in a Lonely Place was my alternate for um, Somebody Saved My Life Tonight. Yep. Please Don't Ask was the one that I already talked about that uh, Genesis performed, one of Phil's um, songs from that period of, of despair. The one I'm not going to go with is another country song, crossover country song by Faith Hill called Cry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which uh, is a really, really good song. And again, I like a broken record here, suffers from the adult contemporariness of the recording. In fact, it actually crossed over to the adult contemporary charts. Um, I really wish the production was less slick. In fact, there is a, it, it was not an original. Um, there is a folk rock artist named Angie Aparo, who he has a few albums um, that I looked up on Spotify. I had not heard of him. Um, he wrote and, and recorded the song in 2000, and it is a very, it's, it's still a little more production than I would like for something like this, but it's a lot more stripped down. Um, this song really deserves the minimalist treatment. That being said, Faith Hill's performance on this is incredible. Her vocals are incredible. She brings the emotion it deserves. Um, I love the melody of the song. I wish I could pick it, but I'm going to go with the most current song I have ever chosen. Hmm. In fact, it's so current that we still reside in the calendar year in which it was released. Really? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a 2021 track. <laughs> this is a record for me. It was released in January, but nonetheless, and it actually was released on social media before it was officially released. So it's been around a little bit longer than a year, but the actual release date is January of 2021. I've talked about her before. I'm kind of becoming a fan, even though it's becoming creepy because I'm getting older and they're getting younger. Mm. It's Olivia Rodrigo with Driver's License. Okay. I, I suspected that was where you were going, but I wasn't entirely sure. Um, yeah, no, go for it. I'm going to start with the grouchy old English teacher and complain that the fact is stylized driver's license, lowercase d, lowercase l. I'm convinced that it's there like... I don't know, some like offhanded rebellious technique against older people by just saying, you know what? I'm not going to capitalize the title of my song. So there, <laughs> just so I can annoy you old people because it really does annoy me. Yeah. But anyway, that being said, finally, a song that has the minimalist production, which is now becoming more prevalent in music with um, artists like Lord and, and Taylor Swift as she becomes more of a, a folk type uh, artist kind of stripping things down and not worrying about all this fancy production. Um, you see Olivia really pulling from this tradition, which I love. This is great. I got my driver's license last week, just like we always talked about. Cause you were so excited for me to finally drive up to your house. But today I drove through the suburbs crying cause you weren't around. Probably with that blonde girl Who always made me doubt She's so much older than me She's everything I'm insecure about Yet today I drove through the suburbs Cause how could I ever love someone else? And I know we weren't 
drive alone past your street. She wrote, co-wrote the song with Dan uh, Rigo, her producer. So it seems to be very similar to Taylor's situation where Taylor co-writes usually with a producer. I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I mentioned the song was released on social media prior to its release. As the result, are you ready for this? I didn't know this until I looked it up because I don't pay attention to the charts anymore. But this song spent eight weeks at number one on Billboard. Wow. Hey Jude was, I think, nine weeks. Yeah. Eight weeks, number one on Billboard. It is the, um, the longest at number one for a debut single. She is also the youngest artist ever to debut, or I'm sorry, let me say that again. She is the youngest artist whose debut went to number one. The song also currently holds the record for most single day streams on Spotify and Amazon Music. Really? Yes. I had no idea that. Biggest song of the year by far. Huh. Yeah. And- yeah, that that's a, a pretty hefty resume. I, I was not aware of all the accolades. Um, the, the album Sour, by the way, it, it, people call it kind of post-punk. To me, it's a little more pop than punk, but it definitely has uh, it, its roots. Or let's just say she gives her homage to um, a lot of that punk tradition. Um, and some of it's, I mentioned one of her songs, um, Name Drops Billy Joel, which is kind of cool. Um it's hard. I think it's hard for, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's hard for somebody that comes up to American Idol. It's also hard, I think, for an artist that appears on a Disney, popular Disney Channel show oh, yeah. to break through as a serious artist. Um, and I am guilty of that, of not wanting to really give legitimacy to that, which is wrong. Well, and so many have crashed and burned in their attempt. Yes. You know, from Hillary Duff to Ashley Tisdale. I mean, they're, they're just... Yes. Um, not everyone can be a... A Miley Cyrus, <laughs> but, but but I think but but she's she's yeah Miley Cyrus is an example that it was able to escape that right. Uh, yeah. I think Olivia Rodrigo has already proven that just on her debut that she has been able to uh, to kind of break that mold. And I think she's continues to be on that show on Disney Channel, which is great if she can do. It. In fact, I remember thinking because um, this album has a few. You know, there's a little bit of explicit language on this album. And I thought, boy, Disney's really come a long way if they're going to allow one of their contracted stars to release a really raw album like this. Um, the song is just a simple lament, about, and I love this image, about a, about a love interest uh, who encourages um, the young narrator to get her driver's license, but then he leaves the relationship, and she gets her driver's license, and now she drives by his house alone. Oh. In fact, there's a funny, I don't know if you still watch Saturday Night Live or not. Um, not like I used, I mean, if I'm awake, I'll, I'm a, I'll tune it in occasionally, but I haven't watched it religiously in probably 10 years. Well, there's a great sketch. It was probably February, maybe January. It was when it came back after Christmas where um, several middle-aged men, (laughs) like us, were in a bar hanging out, and all of a sudden the song comes on, and they all get quiet, and they all get teary, and they all pretend like it doesn't affect them. And so I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that is funny. Um, That that maybe there's something to to the fact that I like this this song. Now, my daughter, who um, introduced me to Olivia Olivia Rodrigo, tells me that... There are a lot more gut-wrenching songs I could have chosen. I suppose there were. But I went with this one just because it is such a big song. And I wanted to be really current for once. I wanted to be hip for once. The fact that I use the word hip shows that I'm not hip, right? <laughs> so I'm going with... Yeah, but you are groovy. So. I'm going with driver's license, lowercase d, lowercase l, which will always annoy me. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I I feel like I give a grammar lesson most episodes. Um I mean, I know she did it on purpose. It's not like she doesn't know. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I definitely want to end with my 
uh, chosen number 12. So I need to hit my alternates list now for my last alternate. Uh, my alternates included this week. I always come with six. I know I come with more than you do, typically. Um, so my six alternates this week, one was for no one by the Beatles, mm-hmm. which we already discussed. Um, one was Almost Blue, which I've used. One was Get Lonely, which I just used. Um the remaining three, I have Don't Speak by No Doubt. That's a good song. I have um, Without You by Nilsson, mm-hmm. which probably is the the quintessential breakup song from 72. And then I have Someone Like You by Adele. I don't know which one I want to use. I think I, I had Adele on my list, but then I get the feeling when I went through the lyrics that it was about a, a relationship after a couple of years that she remembers back and if we were trying to keep it more immediate and raw I think that's why I didn't choose that so not that you can't choose it obviously right. no, no, no. but I think and that's why I stayed away from yeah, it because no, you're, it, you're not wrong you know. because I mean this is an example where she and I kind of already d- d- discussed the, you know this idea um, with a previous song I don't remember which one it was yeah they, they broke up a while ago he's actually moved on he's married right but she's still very much in love with him um, I think I'm going to stay away from her for that same reason, um, because it's not in the immediate, you know, it's not in the moment, um, which really takes me to no doubt or Nelson. Um, oh, I love no doubt. I mean, I, I, I really, do. I don't care so much for Gwen as a solo artist, but no doubt. I mean, they're they're punk ska. Oh, yeah. It was just... Oh. That, that debut album there is yeah, incredible. It was tragic. Well, and, yeah, and Don't Speak. Don't Speak is their only number one. I mean, still, to this day, it's their, their biggest hit. Um, I think, though, as much as I love... Wait, I'm Just a Girl didn't hit number one? No. Spiderwebs didn't hit number nope. one? Interesting. Only Don't Speak. Um, as much as I love No Doubt and as much as I wish I could include them, I think i got to go with Nelson because it is... <laughs> it, it, it's. I feel like the the, the mixtape would be incomplete without it. Quite frankly, um, okay. So without you, it's originally written and performed by Badfinger. It was later covered by Mariah Carey. Um, for what that's worth, Nelson's version though is still the best version of this breakup song. It's from the 1972 album Nelson Schmilson. and without you is as depressing as it gets. Really, it, it equates death to a particularly bad dumping. So, you know, before Morrissey, <laughs> um, this song was, was doing the same, but it's not in the same uh, way without, you know, I don't want to suggest that this is Morrissey-like <laughs> in any way. Um, Nelson kind of nails it, though, that, that feeling of life being over in this big wail-along chorus, and his higher register vocal um, echoes the, the pining sentiment of the song itself. It's... It's impossible to listen to this epic without bawling your hands into fists and mock karaokeing along. You know, it's it's just one of those that almost has become, you know, it, it, almost a joke, a parody in itself. But um, that does not take away from the from the power of the song. Even better, for what it's worth, the very next song on the album Nelson Schmilson is Coconut. So the juxtaposition is brilliant uh, because he invites you on the following track to drink with the pain away. He just put the lime in the coconut. (laughs) So, um, but but this song it made a lot of money for a lot of people. Um, 
But for those that were most entitled to the windfall, it had tragic consequences. The song's writers, Peter Hamm and Tom Evans of Badfinger, they should have been set for life. But Badfinger's label, Apple Records, collapsed in 73, and they never got their due. And despondent over career setbacks and overwhelmed by a myriad of legal difficulties, Hamm hanged himself in 1975. And in 1983, Evans followed suit, hanging himself from a willow tree after a bitter argument with Badfinger guitarist Joey Molland about the royalties for the song. So both songwriters committed suicide. As for Nilsson, he didn't handle success well either. Alcoholism ran in his family, and the fame and fortune from without you triggered him to drink. And he went into a downward spiral, and his career and health never recovered. He died of heart failure in 94 at the age of 52. So um, the song may even be cursed, quite frankly. No, I can't forget this evening Or your face as you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile, but in your eyes Your sorrow shows Yes, it shows No, I can't forget tomorrow When I think of all my sorrow And I had you there, but then I let you go And now it's only fair that I should let you know There were some songs that I wanted to to include, and I just I didn't know if they'd be appropriate. Like I thought about Habits by Tove Lowe. I don't know if you know the song. Mm-mm. It's about a, a woman who self medicates, and she basically the the chorus is I got to stay high uh, all the time, and she's trying to forget about the breakup, and she does all kinds of very seedy, unsavory things to try and block, you know the pain that she's feeling. I thought about Every Breath You Take. That's more of a stalker song. Well, it is a stalker song. Or an unrequited love song. Well, what he says, well, no, I, for, to me, if you look at the lyrics closely enough, it suggests that they were a couple and he got oh, dumped. Okay, maybe. Um, and to me, it's just someone who takes that very badly into an extreme. Um, but I just eh, stared, stared clear at the police. I thought about Goodbye to Love. We just got done talking about the Carpenters during Guilty Pleasures, but... And that that I don't know. I, I just even superstar I considered. Yes, yeah. Although it was a little the, the the song itself is too upbeat for this episode. I even thought of ending the whole thing with "And So It Goes" by Billy Joel, 
which but I that know was, is hopeful. But that's about the beginning of it's a relationship. About the beginning. It's not about the end. It is about the beginning, but the, the lyrics, I mean, you know, it, it's so, it's about a man who's already basically resigned himself that it's going to fail. Which ended up being prophetic. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, when, this one was written for El McPherson, though. It wasn't even written for Christie. Oh, really? Yeah, it okay. was written oh. um, when he was standing. That's before. right. It was during, it was, bef- it was. It was right before Christie. During the Innocent Man sessions. Yeah. Yeah, album. he and El McPherson had a, a short-lived romance. But yeah, I mean, there were songs that I thought about, and I'm like, eh, no, 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 no. Um, anyway. Uh, what is your number two? All right, this is my last one. I told you, I promised I would end on an air of hope, and man, this song is perfect. I apologize ahead of time because it is by Indigo Girls. I know I go to the well often, <laughs> but that's because they are just butter. And this is and, and a, and a rare example of a song that I do pay attention to their lyrics. Um, a song that I would love to have picked for this um, particular playlist is a song called Ghost, which was off Rites of Passage. And I did not choose it simply because, very similar to the Adele song you mentioned, it's about um, somebody who's kind of haunted by the memory of a former lover, right, in the past, um, where they've come to terms with it, but it's still painful from time to time, depending on they come across something that reminds them. That is a masterful song. If you can get it, we'll put it on a, on the uh, playlist. Um, Ghost, but I'm going to go with um, another song that fits this perfectly, and it's called "Last Tears." It's from 2006, off their "Despite Our Differences" album, okay. which is one of their stronger. I, I've said before on the show, I think they've gotten stronger as they've gone on. Um, the song is about the narrator's decision to to move along emotionally from a failed relationship. Um, I've talked to like all the old country and country I've chosen on this list. Indigo Girls can easily slip over into that old country place as well, right? Because they're folk rock. And so this song with the, I think it's the steel pedal guitar that really gives it that country flavor. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much a country song. And the track kind of goes through a range of emotions following a breakup. But the key, and this is where it's similar to the Reba, Ma- Reba McIntyre, to the Monty um, um, Rayet song that you talked about. Um, is is the bridge where the narrator finally makes that decision not in the case of I can't make you love me in the sense that they know now they have to, to break up or the relationship's going to break up but this is that decision when you decide to quit mourning but these are the last tears I'm going to cry for you my cry is through I'm moving on I don't regret So this idea of getting drunk on sadness, and I thought about it, and it's true, um, I've heard this, I didn't know if it was an urban legend or not, it's true, researchers have established that crying releases a natural endorphin that helps ease physical and emotional pain. Hmm. And I can relate to this. Uh, The narrator here just wants a really, really good cry. It's purposely, like she says, get drunk 
on all the memories. Allow herself to just feel every ounce of pain and heartbreak that she's had for this failed relationship. And once she's done, take a deep breath, make some coffee, and declare it over. Move on. There's hope in that. There's hope. I ended everything with a song from the Eagles. Okay. Um, comes from the 1976 album Hotel California, um, which critics, fans, and the band themselves uh, generally agree represents the peak of, of their career. Um, it is probably the most left field departure um, for for a band that was for ever considered to be in the genre of country tin soft rock. <laughs> okay, um, in fact, that entire album. Once they added Joe Walsh and his guitar to the band, suddenly the Eagles just had a, a different sound. You know, they became far more uh, far more versatile. Um, but the song I'm going to go with is "Wasted Time." Good one. Uh, it's a song where co-writers Glenn Frey and Don Henley dared to display their blue-eyed soul. Um, Fry wrote in the liner notes to the very best of the Eagles. He wrote, quote, I loved all the records coming out of Philadelphia at that time. I sent for some sheet music so I could learn some of those songs, and I started creating my own musical ideas with that Philly influence. Don was our Teddy Pendergrass. He could stand out there all alone and just wail. We did a Big Philly type production with strings, definitely not country rock, and Don's singing ability stretched so many of our boundaries. He could have sang the phone book. It didn't matter. And I have to, I have to agree. Henley is very impressive in his delivery on this one. Um, his performance kind of brims with emotion, uh, from resigned low notes to anguished highs as he labors to get through to a girl, trying to make peace with both the unfulfilled expectations of her youth and the realization that. You know, autumn leaves, used symbolically there, are suddenly surrounding her. Uh, oh God, oh my God, he, he, you know, the song goes, oh my God, you can't believe it's happening again. Okay, suggesting that she's been down this lonely road too often before. Um, you don't care much for a stranger's touch, but you can't hold your man. Sometimes to keep it together, you got to leave it alone. Uh, over the entire narrative, time looms on this one as the main enemy. You never thought you'd be alone this far down the line, right? Um, it just, it, to me, this one is just, I imagine what divorce might must be like, I guess, when I, when I hear this song, um, which, thank God, I have no experience with. Um, my heart goes out to those who do, especially if it was a bad, you know, breakup. But this one is a breakup song for a mature audience. This is an older couple, an older woman specifically, who now finds herself alone, you know, in a world that, you know, I, I even imagine, you know, she's far too old for the dating pool. Where, where do you go, you know, at, at our age, you know, pushing 50 if you're suddenly on your own? And that is a scary thought to me. So I, I you know, when I was brainstorming songs, I, I just, I thought wasted time and just the title alone kind of kind of wedged itself you know, into my list. Um, and the song is just, it's a beautiful song. The, the melody teases out, you know, the melancholy without overplaying it. And, and Henley really tears into it. I mean, in the closing moments with the strings swirling, he finds, if not a happy ending, then at least a resolution for the damaged duo, you know. So you can get on with your search, baby, and I can get on with mine. 
and maybe someday we will find that it wasn't really wasted time. Well, baby, there you stand With your little head down in your hand Oh, my God, can't believe it's happening again Your baby's gone and you're all alone And it looks like the end You're back out on the street And you're trying to remember But you can't hold your man You never thought you'd be alone This far down the line I know what's been on your mind You're afraid it's all been wasted time all over Hotel California, the Eagles showed that they were far more than a one-trick pony group. And, you know, all while cataloging what happens when California dreamers come crashing down on Earth. On, on wasted time, at least, they gave, you know, two lost souls a soft and soulful place to land. Um, it, it's a song that you don't hear much about. It was not a single. Um, you know, and, and Don... It closes Henry, the record, right? Yeah, well, yeah. it closes side one. Side one, okay. And then when you flip the, the vinyl over, there's actually a reprise. Okay, um, right. An instrumental. Um, Don Henley was actually going through a bitter breakup uh, when, he, when he sang, when he recorded the song. And I think it's evident because he pours all of his heartache and regret into it. I mean, he sings, I could have done so many things, baby, if I could only stop my mind from wondering what I left behind and from worrying about this wasted time I mean it's it's just a mournful ballad and it ends the first side yeah um, and then like I said a symphonic reprise kicks soft side too it was never a single but hands down one of their very best songs um, and it's it's beautiful but, but another one that's very haunting and like I said this one's for a mature a mature audience I mean this is a someone in midlife who finds themselves alone which is very different from most of the other songs that I've included, which, you know, in my, you know, just in, in my presentation are a call back to my younger years, you know, break up in my youth. So thought, why not? Let's go waste of time. And that's how I thought I'd end it all. So. Well, I hope you don't want to end it all. But. Well, no. Not, no planning okay. on ending, not planning on ending anything. Perhaps you may feel that way after this episode. Uh, <laughs> we need to go and we need to decide the sequence of these songs. Oh, yeah, we do. And, uh, and I don't know that there's anything. We could just put them in like a hat and just pull them out. I was going to say, is there even anything up-tempo on this episode? This will be interesting. Um, it's going to, yeah. okay. All right. We'll be right back after this. All right. We are back. And... Um, I don't know, Al. I'm, I'm emotionally uh, just depleted at yeah, this point. My that, goodness. That was that draining. is going to be a tough one. If you can listen to this one from track one to track 24, you are a solid soul, my friend. But I will say, as, as emotionally draining uh, as it is, 
this is a collection of some incredible oh music. yeah i mean it, it, it's i told you i thought my this is the the finest list that i've come up with as yeah. far musically speaking yeah no it's it's it is it is powerful it's much of it is very beautiful but it is <laughs> it, it's going to be a hard one to sit through unless you are in the midst of a breakup in which case you are welcome uh but <laughs> um for the rest of you, I'm very sorry. Uh, nonetheless, here we go. We start side A with Nothing Compares to You by Shanae O'Connor. That leads into I Know It's Over by The Smiths, followed by Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word by Elton John, Almost Lover by A Fine Frenzy, Yesterday by The Beatles, then Get Lonely by The Mountain Goats, At This Moment by Billy Vera and The Beaters, I've Been Loving You Too Long by Otis Redding, If Leaving Me Is Easy by Phil Collins, Into Country Feedback by R.E.M., then Driver's License, Lowercase, Just to Annoy <laughs> Dave by, <laughs> by Olivia Rodrigo. Yet the album title, Sour, Sour. is all uppercase. Yeah. yeah I see. They might as well keep it going. Why not? <laughs> and then track 12, we end side A with Stay by Sugarland. Uh, side B. We begin with The Smithereens in a Lonely Place, followed by Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton, I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Rayet, Bell Bottom Blues by Derek and the Dominoes, Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers, Don't Think Twice It's All Right. Now, uh, I'll let you explain. Well, I, I talked about how the Kesha version was so raw, I didn't know if I wanted to choose it. I kind of like Bob Dylan's just dismissive, passive-aggressive attitude on his version. But I also talked about how Kesha can take the same passive-aggressive performance um, and not really change the lyric. Although we did figure out, we listened to the song, she does change a key lyric at the very end. Yeah. Instead of saying, uh, you've just wasted my precious time, she just says, um, she says, you've wasted my precious life. Which that we kind of thought, you know what? Maybe we should include this version because yeah. it is, it is, it's the rawest one we have on here. Yeah, I, I would argue it's her and a cello, and the cello doesn't even come in until halfway through the song. Yeah, I would argue it is probably, it is probably the most painful song uh, on the on the list. Um, she literally breaks down and, yeah. and, and cries as she's singing. Um, so yeah, we we replaced Dylan with Kesha. Uh, that would be track eighteen. Uh, that leads into Smoke by Ben Folds 5, Almost Blue by Elvis Costello and The Attractions, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart by Al Green, followed by Without You by Harry Nelson, Wasted Time by The Eagles, and we end our mixtape with Last Tears by Indigo Girls. It is it is a solid mixtape. It's one of the best I think we've put together but yeah it is not going to be an easy listen uh you might need to break this one into into a few unless you just really uh are, are daring and can and can listen through uh remaining emotionally distant i suppose well if there are any method actors out there that need to cry for a scene <laughs> you're welcome uh, you know, I was looking forward to this, though. I really was, because so many mixtapes from my youth were breakup mixtapes. So this felt uh, this felt natural to me. But it also felt very unnatural, because as I said, that was my youth, and I am in a happy place as an adult, and very happily married and content. And So it, it's also kind of foreign now, which is a good thing. But um, it's funny how... 
how times change. So. I, I feel like I have to say, and I, I, I honestly am happily married, but because I haven't said it, people are thinking, well, why isn't Dave happily married too? <laughs> I am, I, I am, I'm just yeah. reinforcing it. No, uh, one, I, I wasn't trying to emphasize any point by saying that other than, you know, it's these songs have the power to take someone who has no worry and just turn you into a, uh, just a, a tear-stained mess, really, you know, um, reaching for the Kleenex. It's, it's, it is a quality mix, so you'll have to let us know what you think. And um, next week, I promise we will not uh, rip your heart from your Next chest. week, oh my gosh, I, I, I told Alan off, off air, I don't know what I'm going to do because I've chosen 17 songs. I finally pared it down to 17. It was like 30-some um, songs that I just think are incredible from the year 2000 to 2021. And I, you know, usually when I, when I make these lists, I finally come up to like, okay, I'll throw this here and this is a little bit stronger and I'm fine if this one doesn't make it. So I'll put on my alternates list. I honestly, I, I sat there for half an hour and tried to move them around. I thought maybe I'll rank them one to maybe, I'll, and I still might try that and rank them one to 17 and then just pick the first 12. I don't know because the ones on my alternates list are just as good. And, but when I try to replace them, I can't find any to replace them with. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm much the same way. I, that happens to me every episode, though. Um, yeah, I, that's why I always come in with more alternates than you. Yeah. Sometimes I want to come in with 12 alternates and just make my own mixtape. <laughs> um, so, it, yeah, it's. Um, I'm really curious what you have. I'm also curious if we have any, at least artists. I bet we have some artist matches. I wouldn't be surprised, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but next week, yeah, we are looking at songs from the last... Uh, 20 years, 2000 and later, uh, the only parameter is these songs, uh, everything that we've chosen did not chart. All right, well, tune in next week for that. Yeah. Get a little, we'll little, little preview there. Um, everything else? No, I had another shout out to J. Callahan Painting, uh, our sponsor. Please do uh, look her up and, and you know uh, reach out if you are in the greater Cleveland area and would like some painting done, especially before the season uh, the season turns. Um, that sounds like she, a soap opera. Yeah, it does. Uh, she she does an, an incredible job and will not let you down. Um, but that is about it. We we are almost done with our season, folks. We have two more two part episodes uh, next week. Uh, begins what we're calling Uncharted. And then we, it's time for Halloween. Scary Halloween. Scary Halloween. fun Halloween was last time. And I, I finally finalized my list. I'm excited about it. Yeah, scary Halloween. Yeah, and scary then, Halloween. Then we probably don't see you again until Christmas time. Yep. So, um, but yeah, we are drawn to a close. Please, if you uh, have friends that have not yet given us a listen, encourage them to do so. If you have listened but have not given us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, again, we, we'd really appreciate the help in growing our audience. You know, we made the charts in Australia. This, really? this week, okay. I think Weird, our Weird Al episode uh, helped that one. They must they must like Weird Al over in Australia. I guess. Um, yeah, I was not aware that we made the, yeah. the charts. Well, that's all for this week. Hot Funk, Cool Punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, I almost want to do it at like at record speed because you just flew through. That. I'm sorry. No, Did the, I say it too fast. No, no, no. you're, you're well, good. Well, <laughs> that's all for this week. Hot Funk, Cool Punk. Even if it's old junk. All right, smart. Another mix of memories awaits (laughs) next week. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject, and we will see you on the flip side.